the Healing Through Love podcast with Charlene Lynch and Rose Davidson. Michelle Fortin has been through the spectrum of domestic violence. Listen to her story in episode two. Welcome to another episode of Healing Through Love. Each week, we share ideas, experiences, and resources to increase the awareness of domestic and family violence and to empower survivors to grow and thrive. We talk with experts who share their advice or with people who have experienced abuse, no matter where they are on their journey. This is all about healing through love. And now, here are your hosts, Charlene Lynch and Rose Davidson. to the Healing Through Love show. It's great to have you back. Today, we've got a special guest with us all the way from the USA. She's from the sunny shine in Florida. Michelle Rose Fortin is an author of multiple books, uh, all in and around addiction and recovery uh, in, in regards to intervention. Most importantly, victims of domestic violence often use addiction as a way to cope with the pain and shame. Hello and welcome, Michelle Rose. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. And thank you for having me on your show today. It's so great to have you here. Thank you. And uh, I always ask the same question, you know, what's the weather like over there? Because it's freezing here. So if you've got anything better than freezing, we're doing fine. Well, it's probably 85 degrees already out there with humidity so thick you, uh, it feels like you're breathing underwater. But I'll send some of that that way for you to warm you up a bit. (laughs) Send it our way. It was five degrees this morning when I got up, so I'm happy to have any amount of warmth. Now, you've written two fantastic books, yes, and that's all in and around addiction, but you've got a history here of domestic violence, and I wonder, are you feeling open to share with us a little bit of your story and, and how you got to where you are now? I would love to do that. Thank you for, um, for that. You know, as a a mother of two and a grandmother of five, their healing after my own was why, right? Why I spent the last 20 years studying the complexities of the mind to understand how to heal myself and to heal, to bring healing, you know, to them first and foremost. And it was in that concept um, that I began writing my first book, which took oh, three, three and a half years to, from start to finish. Um, and in doing so, I realized how much of my childhood trauma and the domestic violence that shaped my household um, affected my life in full from childhood um, all the way through my addiction years of 25 <laughs> miserable long years so mm, I hear you sister 30 years and uh, sober nearly six so I I hear that and congratulations on writing a book of your journey and 
and having that awareness to see where it all started and how you you know dove into the addiction as a way to numb the pain and so you know can you talk a little bit about the the book uh, what does the book uh, help us with how, what some some tools and techniques to help us get through this this era of addiction because it's not just alcohol there's lots of things to be addicted to so it can be addicted to netflix it can be addicted to spending uh, i've got uh, a history of hoarding so that's still another addiction so <laughs> let's let's have a conversation about addiction and uh, and how do we get through that process you know addiction is comes in multiple forms. There's no doubt about that. Um, you know, we are actually creating 20 years ago when they came out with these simple video games that they thought were harmless, truly began the addictive process for um, children like my children's age who are now in, you know, in their 30s. But because it causes that 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 reaction in the brain, right? Where it feels good, so I want more, and it feels good, and I want more. We're creating addicts in our children long before they think about using drugs. And that's sad, yes, that is, my granddaughter was three, playing on her mother's cell phone and mastered Angry Birds. I was like, I knew then we were in big trouble. <laughs> um, though, the, the, the generational dysfunction of, of domestic violence, I truly believe in, and it is a core of my books, that in watching what your parents did, it, the cycle just continues to repeat. And uh, we see that now, especially here in the States. I mean, we've got 18-year-olds shooting up a, a 4th of July parade yesterday. You know, going to uh, elementary school a few weeks ago, it's it's truly sad that these children today have no hope left. I mean, all they see is violence around them and it just perpetuates even more. Um, some of the techniques I use to finally over, overcome my own addiction which was a result of all that pain. Um, well, I started with simple things like puzzles and word searches just to try and, and um, heal my brain to begin with. Um, staying busy, just exercise. I mean, anything to stay busy, stay focused on positive things, um, I believe was helpful, as well as self-knowledge. Mm, I hear you. Self-knowledge is, it's like, it's, it's peppered with, uh, with light and dark, because I know on my journey, I'm sure this is the same for other humans, is that the more I knew, the more hmm, I didn't know, and the more that perhaps I could have lent into the blame and shame game. Um, you know, if I'd known this, how can I behave like that? And so, yeah, so the self-knowledge is great. It still needs to be peppered with some degree of self-compassion as well because we can only do what we can do where we are at the time. And hindsight's a magnificent thing. Uh, yes, and I know that I beat myself up a lot when I dug in deep to find out how I got to where I got. 
Um, so, yeah, you need both, don't you? You need sort of that knowledge and you also need that self-compassion to help yourself along. Absolutely. You have to have that self-love to be able to heal because once you acknowledge that all these things were part of your childhood and then now you brought it into your own reality and you're like, wow, that was some really bad stuff that I allowed myself to entertain and be part of. So self-love and self-forgiveness is paramount to being able to then move forward into a more whole, healthy self. So, yes. So true, so true. So coupled with this um, self-knowledge and coupled with keeping yourself busy and keeping positive things happening, were these, um, these were the structures that help you move through the addiction. Did you go cold turkey or was it a gradual thing? You know, I had spent the last 10 years of that 25 um, in and out of different rehabs. And in the end, I did just stop. I had just had enough. And <clears throat> it was at that place, I'm like, well, how come all these rehabs really didn't help me? Why was it not connecting to me in order to give me any kind of healing or um, peace of mind. There just wasn't anything there, which is part of, of what my newest book is about, um, finding that melding point between counselors and the patient and that huge chasm of missing space where they aren't connecting, which I think is another issue that's let the addiction cycle just become an epidemic. Um, mm. It is. We're, we're living in an environment where you need to get over something. We'll give you a pill to get over that. And then we'll give you a pill to get over that pill. And um, you know, I don't know what it's like in the States, but I know in Australia, when I was going through my recovery process, is that the doctors were just standing there with, with sleeping tablets and antidepressants and just trying to say, here, this is what you need, um, prescribing them even though I refused to take them and, um, and you know, wanting to enforce me taking them to the point, like, let me put you away so that we make sure that you're getting your medication. So, yeah, um, we, we're not doing a very good job of healing, are we? We need to have a look at how we're healing how we can dial this back and how we can do this with a degree of self-compassion. And, um, and yeah, because you're right. There's so many things that we're addicted to, you know, phones are one of them and, uh, you know, coffee is another, like the things that we do, sugar. So they're all just different forms of addiction. Just name your poison. And um, so I, I do, I believe the things that you're saying about keeping the mind busy, staying positive and, uh, and getting that help that you need when you need to get that uh, is, is really a great step in the right direction. Absolutely. You know, I had an opportunity when I was in my teens and if I would have actually reached back out across the table and said, okay, he helped me understand what I've gone through. I probably could have avoided, you know, 20, 25 years of addiction, which, you know, today I teach, if you don't deal with it, you know, you're going to go through all these years. I had to come from 40 all the way back to 15 to deal with all that stuff to be able to move forward. And, you know, so the biggest thing I try to um, inspire 
is to truly not hold it in is because it's just self-defeating you know and um yeah have the beautiful conversations it's about having that level of trust so that you feel that you can have these conversations and that they uh you know it doesn't come back to bite you and sometimes i know what it was like when i was healing you know choosing carefully who to have the conversations with i remember coming out and telling the world i was an alcoholic and some of my closest friends said no you're not you're just a chick that drinks a bit and i'm like no i'm actually an alcoholic and, uh, and I was just actually saying to someone today that during that process of coming out, if that's what we want to call it, that uh, I lost friends, uh, people that were close to me, my drinking buddies, because, you know, change does meet resistance and they weren't happy with the change. So it's, it's bigger than just the problem, isn't it? It's the proximity that we keep and uh, that hold us in those patterns of those repeated patterns, yeah? It is. And those friends that you lost, the, the bigger reason isn't you. It's their own shame and guilt that they hold because in the back of their mind, they know, hmm, maybe I am too, but I don't want to admit that because then that awareness, that acceptance, that uh, uh, acknowledgement means I got to do something about it. Yeah, and it makes people feel uncomfortable. I know, like, I've been on the weight yo-yo um, quite a lot, up and down, up and down. And, you know, when we're changing our behaviours and eating differently, it doesn't necessarily make everyone feel comfortable. So I think that there's a lot of that that I see. Change does meet, resi meet resistance so much to, it's not just about addiction, it's about you know, getting healthy. It's about watching less television. It's about reading good books. It's about hanging out with positive people. It's about changing our language about money. It's, you know, about spending time in prayer and meditation. It's all of those things. And that doesn't necessarily resonate with everybody. And when they see you taking a step forward, um, it's a reflection on themselves. And I always say, if, they, if you spot it, you got it. And if that makes them feel uncomfortable, then there's some stuff that they need to do. But that might not be their time. That might not be their time to make a move. Hmm. And, and that's true. And I think that is partly how society as a whole globally has gotten to this place, right? I mean, everything is about more, bigger, better, instead of just being content with you know, the healing, the self-love, um, knowing that, okay, well, I'm sorry that you don't agree with me. Uh, I still care about you, but, you know, if you've got to go down a different place and leave me behind, you know, so be it. And sometimes being, making that, that, that line in the sand is for self-protection mm. and you have to be okay with that. A lot of people get um even more withdrawn from that line in the sand then they're like well maybe i shouldn't be on a on a path of self-healing if i'm going to lose 10 friends behind it mm, but were those friends really good for the 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 positive you or were they good for the not so positive you yeah, exactly. All of this is true and more. It is such a complicated thing. M moving back to talking about the domestic violence space. And if you, you, you already mentioned that if you had an opportunity to chat to your younger self, you, you would have done things a little bit differently. Speaking now on this podcast to people who are 
in that dark space and still haven't moved forward um, and, and seek help, what, what sort of words of advice would you give them? You know, moving past that, and so many women are trapped with they don't work, many, in, in, that, in that particular, because domestic violence is all about control, right? Um, the domineering uh, abuser, you know, let's call it what it is, is it's all about control for them. Well, you're gonna do you're gonna do the dishes as I say, and if you don't, and if you deviate, you're gonna suffer for it. I mean, it's all about domineering and, and dominance and control. And being that many women stay because, well, I've got three kids and I don't work and I haven't, or I haven't worked in since I had my first child and facing going back into the workforce it's a scary thing and it's much like overcoming um, addiction right you have to go through all these new changes and fear of how you're going to make that happen and then we go back to the shame and the guilt of oh my god look what i allowed to happen to myself and to my kids and, and then the acceptance and the acknowledgement again of i let this happen in my life even though you really didn't have any control over it in being caught in that domestic violence cycle is about self-healing, self-love, self-forgiveness. Because if you can, if you can truly embrace those things into your life, you will figure out how to go forward in in making the rest of it um, come to you. Right? You'll find that little job that you can or that shelter where you could take your three kids and find your way out um you know it comes back to wanting to make that change though it does it's about wanting it and though when we're living those low frequently low frequency lives when we don't feel that we're enough when we don't feel that we have that level of worthiness and we're giving our power away left right and center it's hard to see what is possible when we make the hard choices and step forward. And uh, I think, you know, that's one of the reasons why I love the Healing Through Love podcast is because it's a group of people met both men and women having conversations that, you know, we were there and now we have, we've stepped forward, yes, and we've gone from a, a victim to um, a survivor to a thriver and are now in a place where we're giving it back and hopefully shining the light for others to see that, you know, it is possible and you just need to, as you say, lift that level of self-esteem and self-worth and have that level of self-compassion and forgiveness and, and just take the tiny steps, one step at a time in the right direction. And, you know, you also mentioned before in the conversation, you know, you would have reached out to someone and have a conversation. That's really paramount. You know, are there people around you that you can reach out to and have a conversation uh, are, is it safe to have a conversation with them? Is this going to get back to the perpetrator? 
Um, can you have conversations with people that are outside of the circle so that you can get some information? You know, information is free and there are telephone numbers. I know in Australia, we've got special numbers that you can use that, that they won't know that you've rang them. And I don't know what it's like in the States, but we do have helplines as well and shelters. But it, it's about making that decision yourself so that you can move forward. Uh, and we do have those helplines here. There's um, strict one strictly for domestic violence as well as addictions and and uh, so on. And sadly, the children that are caught in this cycle of domestic violence are usually already um, acting out, even before they may possibly start drinking or drugging, and. So they've already had interactions with someone, maybe a school principal, or uh, we used to have counselors, not so much anymore, sadly, but it, and it's scary for the child, right? I mean, you go home and, or, or you're, you're at school and you're thinking about all the, the, the screaming and yelling and the threats and so on. And do I really want to cross that line? But you truly need to cross that line. You need to talk to somebody because the, the pain that you're in most likely will get worse until you've uh, found a new path. And change is scary. It absolutely is scary, but it is for the best in the long run. You, you gotta look past the short-term fears, um, uncertainties to the long-term healing that is possible if you just embrace it. Mm, it's so true. It's about seeing that big picture. And I talk about a lot that a lot of that in the shift process. And it starts with seeing the big picture of what's possible for you. When you grow up in an environment where domestic violence is just, it's what happens. Family violence is the you know, a fish doesn't know water. It's what we see everywhere. We don't know the difference between what can be and what really is. We see it also on television. People normalize it. And um, we don't know what's possible to live outside of that. Oh. So um, how long did you say, Michelle, that you've been sober or um, addiction free? 20 years. That's, 20 years. That's fantastic. And the books, it's two books that you've written? I've written actually three. Um, the first two books were uh, my story. Um, the Big Trap, Just One Last High was the first book, which was my childhood through my addiction. And when I finished it, and I had only intended on writing the first book. So I used a pseudo name, T. Rose. And when I got to the end of it and I had such a positive impact, I'm like, everybody's like, well, we want to know how you fixed it and how you got better, what you did to recover. So I wrote the second book, uh, Freed, a recovery plan, and um, to, to complete the story. And now I'm working on a, a series to help, help fill in that chasm between counselor and patient. So that is um, the Quest Learning Series that I'm working on now. So oh, I you. love it. I love it. And uh, so where where is your audience mainly? Is it predominantly women, Michelle? It is. 
Yeah, and is it younger women or older women or what sort of age bracket? You know, last time I did a demographic, it actually is um, 22 to 35 is the larger audience, but I do have uh, a, a vast audience as, as, um, as old as 60s. So um, grandmothers, grand, Getting up to grandparents. <laughs> grandparents oh, <laughs> you know yeah. trying to figure out well what did I miss that you know maybe I can help heal my grandkids before they go down the same path that I went down that that their parents went down you know because there's this big gap between my generation my kids who their generations it seems to have fallen into this really even worse hole than I was in leaving their children now being raised by the grandparents and um that's a thing now <laughs> it is because all those parents have fallen into this chasm of of loss i mean you know they're just and there is a so, whole demographic of children being raised by their grandparent for that exact reason and um you know, we need to get them the information. We need to show them that there is light, that they can, there is light at the end of the tunnel, that they can make the change, that they can come back from this. There's always a comeback. Yeah. Absolutely. And making that decision and lifting that level of self-worth and, uh, you know, and also a great degree of forgiveness as well. One of the central messages I talk about is forgiveness forgiving forgiving others and forgiving yourself so that you can move forward we we need to let go so that we can let god and move forward amen to that i i 100 agree with that and at this place i i feel that the the youth today right uh, the grandchildrens that is on Sadly, where it needs to, the truest amount of attention I feel needs to be focused is if we can break it there and, and then their children, you know, we have a chance of actually healing this, this, this problem globally, right? Because the domestic violence is generational as well as the, um, the, the markers to to deal with it, right? Whatever it's addiction, gambling, sex, video games, uh, you know, like you said, so many things can be addictive and, and um, which is just a response of how do I mask the pain that I don't want to feel? It's so true. There's a, a great book written here in Australia, um, just having a look at each level of addiction, each thing that you're addicted to, and having a look at the thought frequency that creates that level of addiction. And it's a fascinating book uh, written by Ruby. Um, Ruby Jones, I think her last name is. And so she um, is a lecturer in and around holistic psychology. Um, it's just fascinating. And the, what I noticed, because um, alcohol was my main drug addiction, is that I was taking it because I was depressed, but <laughs> alcohol is a depressant. So it actually re repeats the cycle. So you drink more alcohol, you're more depressed, but you're depressed anyway. So it just keeps going around and around in circles. And so it's hard to even break out of that depression. And, and then we drink more. <laughs> 
<laughs> so uh, I know, Dan, it just keeps going round and round in circles. And, uh, and, you know, for me, it's just having that level of understanding that there are reasons why we're doing what we're doing. And if we dig into the reasons, then we can undo the doing. We can undo the damage that we've done. We can let go and we can choose a different path. And it's, and for some of us, we need to know the reason why. For, other, for others, we can just like drop it and just move forward. But for me, I needed to have a better understanding of how I got to where I got to and why I was reoffending so much as well. Well, I, and I needed to understand that deep, um, you know, reason why. 40, why, why did I spend so many years self-torturing, right? Self-destruction, um, because all of these things and the, the trauma and the pain of domestic violence is leads to mental illness issues, right? Addiction in, in any form is just a symptom of, you know, the mental illness issues that are, are left behind. And only by finding the trust, as you were saying, who, who, who do you trust? Who can you really share this with without um, your, your dirty laundry, so to speak, being exposed to everybody? And that is the biggest, the biggest, I think, deterrent in a lot of people wanting to find help because they don't, they just can't find that level of trust. And that is another um, aspect of what we're trying to create with the Quest Learning Series is using peer specialists who are ex-alcoholics or addicts um, in that domain um, with training in in the psychologies but also being somebody that's already been there done that and sharing some of the things that they used to um, give themselves the strength to as you say put it down and move on Mm, absolutely you know past the five d's we need other strategies they're just not enough and we need to get ourselves to that point where we're ready to make the decision as well i love it michelle how can people get hold of you how can they connect to you well i do have um, my facebook uh, you can reach me at t uh, Rose, and then I have recovery is uh, spelled R-C-V-R-Y as my profile name. Uh, you could always reach out to me at Rose, at uh, Tiffy Rose, the number one, the word recovery in full.com. And you could check out my website at tiffyrose1recovery.com as well. Excellent. We'll make sure all of that information is in the show notes as well, because it's nothing like just pressing a link. <laughs> It makes all the difference, makes life easier. Thank you so much for taking the time, the other side of the world, to stop with us today and, and have a cuppa and have a conversation about addiction, the difficult conversations, and, and have a conversation about domestic and family violence and how, you know, they sometimes do go hand in hand and how we can unpack those and some tools and techniques so that we can move forward and we can live a life that thrives. I really have appreciated the time today. Thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> Was there any last words, Michelle, before we go? Uh, my only last word is, please, if you're suffering, 
reach out to somebody and um, allow that healing into your life. I love it. Beautiful words. You're not alone. We're in this together and uh, we're, we're all here. We're only a phone call or a text message or a, a DM away. Just reach out. We're, we're here. We're listening. And you've got this. And, uh, you know, whatever it is that you're going through, there's light at the end of the tunnel. And we're looking forward to seeing you on the other side. And we'll say bye for now. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Healing Through Love. You can get further resources, see the show notes, or simply reach out to us via our website at htlaustralia.org. Thanks so much for joining us, and we look forward to your company next time on the Healing Through Love podcast.